Oh, the ancient Egyptians postulated seven souls. The top soul and first to leave upon the hour of death is The Sopranos Podcast, Season 6, Episode 1, The Wheel of Fortune. I don't care how close you are, AJ. In the end, your friends are going to let you down. Family. They're the only ones you can depend on. That's a quote from Tony Soprano in Season 6, Episode 1 of The Sopranos, entitled Members Only. This episode was written by Terrence Winter and directed by Tim Van Patten. Folks, we're back for Season 6. I can't believe we're actually covering this. Thank you for being patient during our hiatus. It's holiday season. We have a lot going on. It's crazy here in Soprano land. But look at it this way. The gap between the real Season 5 and Season 6 of the show was a couple of years. You get a couple of weeks, you guys, a couple weeks, maybe a couple months, you guys got off easy. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Lily D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. And we are back. Members only. We're back for season Members six, guys. Members only. We made it. The sixth season. Let's go. In some minds, the last season of the show. That's true. Whether well, or How not... are we talking about this? Is this our last season? Not, so, not really. So here's, I think we, we have had a few conversations about whether we're going to cover season six, part one and two as one giant season or as two smaller seasons. I think we decided, though I would argue at the end of all this, that it thematically is one big season. Yes. For ease of our show dissection, we're going to treat six, part one as its own thing in, in that it's going to have its own retrospective and season six, part two is going to be its own thing. And yes, and and though we are a spoiler-free podcast, and I, I will not spoil anything here, it does very much seem to be that members only is intended as the first half of a bookend, right? That concludes with the final episode, so it, it, it's really not meant to be broken up. But I think for us recording it, it's going to be easier for it to be two seasons. And I like recording it as two seasons because there's just more time to digest. Correct, exactly, and that's what this is about: digestion. We're digesting our dinner. And we're about to digest this uh, premiere. Speaking of which, obviously, I, th- I think it goes without saying, this is a hell of a fucking episode. But easily, to me, the most unsettling premiere of all of them. Uh, am, I, am I wrong? From frame one, when we have... Not wrong. Yeah, from frame one, when we have an FBI agent puking and talking about nobody ever going broke, underestimating the taste of the American public, through the William Burroughs poem, which... I mean, just line that up, watch that, watch that, and then watch the season two opening of It's Been a Very Good Year and tell me that it's not a completely different vibe. Oh, yeah. So let's kick it off the way we always do. Uh, initial thoughts and impressions on this explosive season premiere. This is my favorite episode one of any of the seasons. Wow. I don't, I don't disagree. Uh, I think it's an incredible episode of television. It's an incredible Sopranos episode. And shockingly, I never say this about an episode one in a season, I think it's going to end up making like my best of list Mm. for the series. I think this episode is really exciting, it's really dynamic, it's super fucking dark, it surprised the hell out of me, and reading about it, I guess it surprised the hell out of a lot of people. I just was so caught off guard by so many things in this episode that didn't have to do with the gunshot at the end. Mm. Uh, Really, the whole episode is... It's all killer. It's it's amazing. What an incredible episode back. It must have felt like after those, I don't know, 22 months or whatever the show was off, it, would have, it, it seems like a really good welcome return to the show. Couldn't imagine a better episode coming back. 
Fully agreed, Jordan. And we're going to talk about the elephant in the room, and I'm not talking about Tony's weight gain. Oh! I'm talking about uh, the fact that one of the most impactful and insane premieres has a, a major plot centered around Eugene Ponacorvo, yeah. a hitherto background... Minor character, yeah. One of these guys hanging out at the construction site, uh, played beautifully by Robert Fennaro uh, th- this hour. What a, sh- a spotlight for this guy who's been kind of yeah. lurking around, hitting people with Snapple bottles. And I would argue he's the A-plot. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. He certainly is. Uh, it's a great performance. It's a, it, it is a shocking episode. I really think I'm going to have to marshal my faculties of memory to go back, not to this viewing, but when I first watched it, particularly because of the ending, because we've never seen anything like this on the show. Ever. Yeah. I've never had Tony in this kind of jeopardy. Certainly not fading out an episode with him somewhere perhaps about to enter these Egyptian questions that are brought up at the beginning. <laughs> um, the Pontecorvo thing is... Now, I have to say, in reflection on it, perhaps I should have been a bit more prepared because this guy was just a thug and then they made me like him, which The Sopranos <laughs> loves to do before they whack somebody. Yeah. So, yeah. But the experience of it is like, whoa. Um, it's like getting blown away. Um, now, other aspects... While I agree that there's certainly an uneasiness about this episode, one of the fascinating things about it is I think it really breaks the mold in the last ten minutes when Pontecorvo hangs himself and then Tony gets gut shot. Two-thirds of this episode, I'm still thinking a lot of this. Certainly when I first watched it, this is, this is a standard opener. Not a bad opener. A good opener. Interesting. Playing with some different things. It's, it's a Sopranos opener. It's an overture. We're establishing the themes. Does everything blow up at once? No. Things are good. Mm. What does that mean? Um, that means that the problems that you're having are going to be examined from the perspective of are you making some of these problems for yourself? Right. What are the problems in the home life and the family? And they're bubbling up very slowly. Well, I mean, t- to your point, Paul, the biggest problem with Tony and Carmela in this episode until Tony is sh- shot by his uncle is empty nest. They're, they're dealing with the kids being away. That's such yeah. a normal thing. Yeah, actually, like a sweet and bittersweet element comes up in the scene that we have our pull quote from. It's the only scene Tony has with his kids. Mm. in the episode both of them in the same room very brief yeah so it's examining some of these things but it feels not dull not slow but like a lot of it even the Pontecorvo stuff I kind of felt like we were for the first half or so dipping our feet in then forget it when it takes off in the second half it's totally different and it is a whirlwind and again I've never seen anything like it on the show Um, so I had a great time watching it again Um, there's a lot to unpack right from the start Yeah, you know, I think the Eugene storyline is particularly interesting because we've seen quite a few people try to get out of this life, and we've never seen someone just ask. Mm. It's a completely different method of of trying to do that, and he sounds, it's so reasonable, and he has an answer for all of Tony's concerns, but you just can't, right? When you're a jet, you're a jet all the way. Absolutely. Da-da-da-da-da. So the, um, you know, and, and he's not even just trapped by, by Tony, he's trapped by the FBI and, and all of that. And it's just, um, it's just such an interesting alternative telling of wanting to get out and being trapped. All while Tony gorges himself on luxuries. I mean, well, first of all, this episode doesn't make you want to eat sushi. Fucking nothing will. Tell I mean, me God about damn, it. the shit they were eating looks so good. The way they were describing it. Uh, and, and in the Porsche, uh, just the materialism these people surround themselves in. Uh, yeah, but it's no Corvette, though, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, no, I agree. I agree with all of your assessments. A hell of an opener. Hell of an opener. Let's take it from the top, shall we? The Seven Souls montage. Uh, very well. Actually, the true beginning is this <coughs> line. Um, you know, it's pretty safe to say this is going to be a, a thematic element brought through. But we see Agent Harris here with his new partner. Uh, talking about uh, nobody ever went broke underestimating the taste of the American public, and Harris has to pull Whoa, over. Line. Yeah, right? Yeah. Great, great, great mood setter for the rest of whatever we're going to see. Wonderful actor, I believe his name is Michael Kelly. He was also on House of Cards. He was the best <clears throat> cast member on House of Cards. He's, uh, I forget the actor's name, but the guy's partner, yeah. Mm. The new partner. Yep. Harris vomits. We're going to find out more about that shortly, but... Uh, we get a lot of information dumped in this little montage here. Just to, to, to cut through it quickly, we see Vito. He's dropped a bunch of weight. Still got a little bit to go, but, I mean, you see him holding those pants out. He's he's, he's lost he's doing great. a whole person. Janice has a baby. Bobby's playing with trains. This has been a minute. Oh, yeah. Like, a years significant maybe. time has passed, it's, it feels like. At least a year, right? Is, is there some line that tells us how long it's been? No, but Janice wasn't even pregnant. Not pregnant, right? When, when season five ended. Yeah. Right. So, so it's been... A, probably a couple... Baby's probably a couple month or two old, so... I feel, like, I feel like it's the longest amount of time between seasons in the world of the show. Well, I think Carmilla at one point says to Tony, uh, I, I dreamt about Abe in my spec house last night, and uh, she says, uh, I wonder whatever happened to her or something like that. And Tony says, probably went off with some other guy... And she says, "A not call in a year, you know? Mm, yes. But I can't tell if she's saying literally a year, because that would be weird. Uh, or if she just means, like, it's been a long while. You know, right. It could be more than a year. I don't know. Yeah. The spec house was just a blueprint stared at lovingly in the finale of Five, and now there's actual there's foundation poured in. There's lumber in place. So, Gene uh, Ponacorvo is opening an envelope, getting some good news. Finn is enjoying a little strip tease from Meadow. <laughs> Ray is exercising. AJ's in college taking selfies. This might have been the the dawn, birth, of, the the dawn of the selfie, actually. Yeah, AJ was right on. And that's when cameras started going in on phones. My God, what a nightmare we're living in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, then we get this incredible little scene between Adriana and Carmela in the uh, spec house and... I think the audience knows she's actually dead, but the, the writer's got to be having fun with the, ooh, is she still alive, conspiracy theorists? Yeah, we don't go into Carmela's dreams. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. So she's worried all the time, join the club, and uh, Carmela taking a drag of the cigarette, Aid disappears, and uh, wakes up, and then we're in the backyard of Tony and Junior. Thoughts on this opening, the information we're given, the presentation, the use of the poem, and the mood set here. Thoughts on this whole thing? Well, as you mentioned earlier, uh, just a moment ago, I, I think it's meant to parallel the season two opener, mm. which gave us the status quo and soprano world at the time, but a much more positive, less ominous one. Mm. Uh, when I was 17, I believe, is the song mm -hmm. yeah, that yeah. they're playing in that one. Uh, I do not know what to make of the... Burroughs poem, The Egyptian Gods thing. I looked at the text, I really couldn't parse it. Other than that, perhaps we are hinting at we're going to be dealing with some spiritual themes this season, mm -hmm. but that is very vague in this moment. I, I don't know this poem, I don't know these words, I don't know Egyptian mythology, I don't know anything about that. N neither do I, really. I mean, and also, I do know that David Chase is interested in 
these kinds of questions from other cultural perspectives, given where I, mm. the accident of my birth and where I grew up, my understanding of a lot of these questions, at least the baseline, is um, from Roman Catholicism, Western uh, religious traditions. There's other traditions, and David Chase, I think, is going to ask us to look at different ideas. Um, yeah, it's, it is ominous, it's weird, it's a check back in. There's very fun moments. I like when Ray Curto is exercising all the good it's going to do him. Um, <laughs> Burroughs' poem says, uh, The next section is Ba, the heart, often treacherous. Yes. Not only is yeah, he treacherous, well, I was gonna but say, his heart is going to turn against him. Correct. Some of, the, so. some, of, some of the lines actually match up to the images. Adriana fading away is, is talking about the shadow. Yeah. Oh, are they supposed to match? Mem- memories of this and other lives. Oh, interesting. Some of them line up. Some of them don't. Some of them I feel like are just there, but some of them, there is a, a synchronicity to some of the lines. And then some of it is, we're talking about a secret name and Bobby's playing with a train set. I can't make heads or tails of it. Yeah, but <laughs> I actually found, I found on this viewing, <clears throat> I have a lot of questions, just in general. I'll bring up more as we're recording, but uh, there's a lot of stuff. It's not that I didn't understand it, but I didn't understand maybe... Uh, maybe why it didn't inspire more meaning for me, or maybe that it did, but I'm not sure if it was, like, the right meaning. Mm. We're starting to get into a season of television, and again, no spoilers, where it's like, never has the viewer been trusted with more than in season six of this show, starting with this episode. Uh, Oh, what does this thing mean? Is something that we've often asked of symbols when they've come up in the show, certainly of dream sequences, which are up for interpretation. But now it's just, it seems to be occurring even in just the the scene to scene, just trying to link, link some things together. I, I've never felt the weight of the show as much as I have in this episode and going forward mm. of being like really trying to get through the swamp of whatever is trying to be said here. Um, the show asks a lot of the viewer, more now than ever. Yeah. This is a more shallow thought, but the whole, every beat of that montage gives me the icks. Mm. Like, um... It's very unsettling. It, it, yeah, correct. You know, um... Janice right, yeah. breastfeeding and the way that the tat the, the Rolling Stones tattoo and the baby kind of yes. go together is just... Gives me the icks. I don't want to watch Meadow, somebody I've watched grow up since she was a kid, do a striptease for her fiancé. Yeah, she's a beautiful woman, but it's very voyeuristic. Well, correct. It is very voyeuristic, and we must notice that her body looks different. Correct. She's about as thin as you can get mm. without being too thin. Correct. Right. Um, AJ in school taking pictures. Ick. Right? You ho- We keep hoping he'll something will sn- they'll click in him, <laughs> and it doesn't. Um, Ray Curdo, the rat, keeps on going on his little... Yes. Correct. Yeah. The vomit. <laughs> Yeah. Ick. Uh-huh. Um, even Vito, because it's not just he lost weight. He lost weight with this thing, and he's getting press over it, right? <laughs> right. Also, ick. So, and like, okay, good for him, but just the, every bit of it gives me the icks, including Adriana and seeing how just terrified and depressed Carmela is when she wakes up from that dream. Every bit of it gives me the icks, and it definitely sets a tone for... The X to come. Mm. The uh, 6A, let's call it, is a season or sequence that I've struggled with at times. Uh, I still do. There are parts that I don't like as much. There are performances I don't like as much. I think one has to, or at least I give the show a lot of credit, and I celebrate it on this level, be it making people uncomfortable, trying new things. It is never predictable. 
Yeah. It never goes there. It never even settles into a light predictability where, okay, this show is still good, but we kind of get the rhythm mm. overall. It's like unsettling. It's shocking. It's it's also somehow still a delight. It's still very funny moments. It's still very watchable. So I got to give it up. I, I was overjoyed watching um, this to, to talk about it with you guys. Yeah. Mm. Likewise. Again, we've said it a hundred times already, no spoilers, but my favorite stretch of episodes is Test Dream through the like the first quarter of 6A. So we're right in the thick of it for me. I just think it's 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 just such bold storytelling. Bold. Bold. To, to take a risk like this in your last season, when everyone's expecting the world of this show at this point, and then also, to Jordan's point, to put so much on you, and then to start by making everybody uncomfortable, to your point, Lily. Just great. Just great stuff. Speaking of great stuff, Tony and Junior digging in the backyard. This is a sad... Ren, yeah. the remains. <laughs> Just <laughs> digging. Junior's looking for 40000 his share of the Bohax Hall from the 70s. Uh, <laughs> Tony's making sure he wrapped it right. This, uh, I remember, I there's actually a couple people I went to college with, because this episode aired when I was in college. That I wa- that, that watched Sopranos for the first time was this episode, even though there was so much left to catch up on. They were hooked right from this scene because it's just so funny. The dialogue here. Moles, they turn to your sprinklers too. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, they want nothing to do with them. They go back inside. Tony and Junior are halfway to the being the fucking ghouls from Providence. Right, from yeah. season four. Like, they are spooking out the neighborhood. Yeah. And... Junior, by the way, not that it doesn't become completely apparent by the end of the episode, but Junior's gone. Junior, as we knew him, is yeah, yeah, finito. This is a this is he's 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 just out of it. Tony can't even connect with him, minute to minute here, and it's uh, frustrating for him as we see when he wants Janice and Bobby to step up a little more, but they're busy with their own things. They get inside. Is your time more valuable than mine? <laughs> this little moment always makes uh, Lily and I laugh when. She doesn't. She calls Tony. You didn't say hi to your niece. How you doing, hon? <laughs> like, on. like that's how you say hi to a baby. Yeah, how yeah. you doing? She's not gonna say anything back. <laughs> uh, Junior brings up Pussy Malanga, which is a name we haven't heard since the pilot. That's back the to the pilot. Yeah, yeah. Crazy, crazy. It's the guy that Junior wanted to kill in Artie's restaurant, so they blew it up. Uh, <laughs> but uh, which was the baseline of their thing. Right. Just like the ba- the house was the baseline of everything with his mother. Right. Yeah. Uh, junior, uh, Tony uh, always takes every opportunity, it seems like, to emasculate Bobby. They talk about assisted living. Tony refers to him as Knucklehead Smith. <laughs> <laughs> no retirement community. Tony has put in the kibosh on that. He learned his lesson, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Part of, look, that's what's so great is Tony spends the episode preaching the family obligation card. But really, it's... There's, there's, even underneath that, there's a selfishness of what happened. He remembers what happened when he put his, tucked his mom away in a nursing home. So I think part of him is thinking, at least if I'm kind of around, I'll be safe when it's actually that which ends up getting, biting him in the ass this time too. Yeah. Yep. His, these emotional issues that he has also make him fairly unreasonable. I'm not a fan of Janice, but... It is not reasonable or feasible mm. for them, the Bachelieres, to be the semi, to be the chief caretakers or even the semi chief caretakers of this guy who can't be alone. They have their own family, they have their own stuff, including a newborn kid. Three, three children. Yeah. Newborn kid, full time job. Um, 
for both of them. I mean, I know Tony says I didn't do that crap, but yeah, <laughs> which is, yeah, as you said, um, yeah. I mean, it, it it blinds him. Yeah. Yep. Next scene, we see how about this sight? Johnny Sack in an orange jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Can you believe? Oof. Unbelievable, right? This is another aspect of things being good for the Jersey family. The head of a powerful New York family is in the unusual position of not being in a good negotiating position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, for, for now, at least, it seems Phil Leotardo has a cap on his anger. You asked me to bury the hatchet, John. I'm doing it out of respect. So for now, Phil seems to be in control. Johnny is operating through Phil. But Phil is the big man in New York right now for all intents and purposes, at least as far as the day-to-day is concerned. So that's important info. Then we get this first scene of uh, what you folks couched as our A-plot here. Eugene comes to see Tony with some uh, some David Yerman watches. Again, more luxury materialistic items that pepper this episode. Uh, and he reveals that his aunt has died, leaving him a $2 million inheritance. That's what the opening the envelope was in the opening montage. He wants to retire to Fort Myers. His dad died when he was 53. He's going to be 50 next year. There's no retiring from this. Tony is kind of laughs at him a little bit, but then realizes Eugene is serious. So this is an interesting conundrum. So what Lily said, this is the first time we've seen somebody, it's not somebody just trying to up and leave. It's not somebody snitching, at least that we know of yet. This guy is just asking, let me retire. There have been successful mob retirements, but they're extremely, extremely rare. Yeah. Uh, so well, and he even cites one. It's and. You know, for all intents and purposes, Eugene comes prepared. Like, he's really ready to fight for this. And I think he do- he makes a great case, and I think he does a really good job. This is a great underling coming to the boss scene in any line of work. He he came prepared. He knew mm-hmm. what he wanted to say. He knew what he was was hoping for leaving the meeting. And he uh, knew when he had Tony. He knew when to stop pushing, too. He knew when mm-hmm. Tony was done. And he was like, oh, I'll let Tony kick it around. Okay, yeah, let me think about it. Tony ends up leaving. Really well measured. I agree. Tony also doesn't say no. Right. He says he'll think about it, and I, I, I believe him. Yeah. Because it comes up again. Tony has multiple opportunities to say no early on. He doesn't. Uh, mm. So I think Eugene did a nice job here. I agree. Tony's thinking about it. It's so brutal. It's so brutal that at this point in the story, we don't know that this is a pipe dream. Mm. Um, and how, like, in some, in some ways, how simple it is that you want to move to Florida, Junior's dream was Florida. Mm. That's where his better life was. Right. Simple and clear. These are not rich people. Like a place in Fort... I've been to Fort Myers, in point of fact, um, very near the beach on the eastern coastline in Florida. Uh, very quiet, lovely, better weather. Even if they got a modest house there, they'd have much more space. Mm-hmm. Um, my heart breaks yeah. to think of him, him wanting it. Right. You know. Yep. And he has the money. Yeah. I mean, we titled this episode Wheel of Fortune. Uh, listen, at the start of the episode, we got, this guy wins $2 million. He's fucking dead at the end of the episode by his own hand. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Uh, this is not the only character caught on the wheel, of course. Tony. Tony has never been uh, bigger <laughs> nor more successful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, everyone, it just, it can go, all this can go anytime. Mm. Really uh, amazes me. Yes. Well said. 
Deanne, his wife, who we were meeting uh, Eugene's entire family for the first time. She's, this she's a great actor, too. She, she killed it. What, talk about maximizing your minutes and, yeah. and making the most of your opportunity. And I assume she's a one-off. She's great. Really good. Yep. Uh, she's already looking at houses, so this is something he and her have talked about. She clearly, as we find out later, has been pushing him, Lady Macbething him, so to speak, to get Tony to... Yeah, to to in her mind they're moving to Florida. Jean just has to work out the specifics. They have a very cute little girl and an older teenage son. He has this fight with his son, older kid. Uh, guessing either older teenager or younger college age. AJ age who sort of still lives with them. It's not entirely clear, but he wants to know where the kid's going, who his friends are. Blows him off. You, it's clearly a. What's up? We don't know more, much more than that yet, but this is clearly a sore spot for Gene because the argument they have doesn't seem to warrant tossing the candy bowl. So something about this is nagging at him. We'll find out more. Oh, well, he says he, he gets high all the time. Right, still getting high all the time. Yep, so there's, so there's, a, there's a, a substance drug, issue. Yeah, there's a substance yeah. issue. Right. Uh, I told you I'm not getting high anymore. It, right. Yeah, you're right. It is very brief. Yep. Um, it's a more it's a more. Well, and those issues boil. So while that one incident may not look like throwing a bowl is warranted, it's you know they've clearly had these conversations and again, time yeah. and been through a lot. Perhaps a parallel with Tony. He's got a smart wife that he can't bullshit. He's got mm-hmm. two kids, one girl, one boy. The girl's kind of even. Um, the son's a problem, and it doesn't matter how powerful you are right. out in the gangland world. You come home and your kids are like fuck off, um, <laughs> and it, it makes you mad, and you can't really do anything about it. He lo- he loves that kid. Yeah, you can tell. Mm-hmm. And again, I'll iterate, what a special thing. Less observant viewers can watch this episode and say, wait, who's that? You know what I mean? He has really just been like hanging around the Richie April, Ralphie, yeah. Vito crew for a long time. Memorable actor, but just hasn't had a ton of screen time. And then he's he's the star of this episode. He, he takes a swing and a home run as far as I'm Getting concerned. Getting this script, that actor must have been just thrilled. Through the moon. He must yeah. have been through the moon. You, because you get handed this I would rather have this episode and be Dead. done than have a, a hundred more episodes the way he's been. Right? 100%, yeah. yeah. And, he, and he just crushes it every minute. He does so well. We get our first sushi outing at Nori. Uh, we get the first sense that something is off about Carmela's house. Building inspector, Tony said, promises to get on it. Then she starts nosing around about Adriana. Tony misdirects, talking about the sauce on the shrimp. <laughs> <laughs> How easily he lies. Yep, yep. Talks about Ginny. Talks about what? She talks about Ginny Sack. Yeah, Ginny Sack, yeah. Well. So Carmela's anxiety about widowhood and you know this this keeps coming up and again it seems to happen every time to Carmela that we are around Angie Bomp and Saro <laughs> too as well well they're all kind of hitting her in the face I mean this has been an anxiety of hers the whole show right like that's why she wanted to go into the stock market that's why she wants the spec houses she's constantly fearing what happens if Tony's gone and she's talking about Adriana. She's mm. talking about Ginny. She's talking about Angie Bompensero, who, though doing well now, had to work her ass off for it. Because let's not forget, we saw her giving out samples at the deli counter. Yep. So, you know, I, I think that there's a lot being kind of pushed in her face um, that directly affects her anxiety about her warranted anxiety. They're having a lot of fun with the foreshadowing, too. Tony talks about the guy who betrayed Johnny Sack being like an uncle to him. Of course, Tony's mm-hmm. going to experience a betrayal of sorts by his own uncle mm-hmm. just later this hour. Yeah. Does all... 
nicely said. Uh, does all the fish stuff also operate as a portent of death? Mm. I mean, we're talking oh, yeah. Godfather imagery here. Yeah, sure. Big or a betrayal. Yeah. Yep. Something. Mm. It's all raw. Yep. Mm. And yet the bonefish are back in season. Yep, they're fucking, they're fucking <laughs> more. Um, he's not taking the meds. Uh, yep. but yeah, and he says, this is one of the Wheel of Fortune questions, lucky, more than lucky, mm. um, the wheel that we're on. Yeah. 40 bucks for a piece of fish they just flew in first class. Which is, <laughs> yeah, you got to think about it that way. Uh, I, and, and not just a special occasion dinner. We're going to go there all the time. This is their place now. Yeah. yeah. Lily and I love sushi, but it's not something we can have all that often. It's no, kind of yeah, like a... uh, Heather and I love it as well, but it's like, um, yeah, we can't we can't afford that all the time. That's yeah. that's a luxury. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. You know, we really have to pick the night. We're just like, oh, can we do this this week? Right, yeah, yes, exactly. Yep. <laughs> um, those of you who don't hang out in Jersey, don't let the environs fool you. This might not look like it's in a fancy spot. That doesn't mean it's not incredible food. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean it's not. Pr- it doesn't have like a high price point. Some places in Jersey just look like that. I went to an Indian restaurant last night that had no ambiance. It was a hole in the wall joint in a not great part of Hackensack. God Almighty, it was one of the best meals I've ever had. Mm. It was just incredible. So yeah. that's that's very much the Jersey vibe. Is you, there's some hole in the wall, dumpy looking place, and you're like, what? And then the meal is just incredible. Those so. are the authentic places. There's a right. Lot, well, that's Jersey just Jersey is one of the most diverse states in in the United States. Sure. And the Asian community, Korean, Japanese, Vietnamese, you're going to get some real legit restaurants here, and that's likely what Nori is. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's where they open is a strip mall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Continuing through, we get our next little uh, bit here. Hesh out for Chinese with a son-in-law, and we're. Left in the dark on the situation until another scene or so, but uh, the son-in-law gets roughed up. They get burned out of the car, essentially. They're shouting, quote, Jerry told you to stay out of Brooklyn. We don't know who Jerry is yet. Hesh is trying to protect him. He gets punched, disrespected, and then by pure fucking... Unlucky. Wheel, wheel, wheel of fortune. fortune. Uh, <laughs> he just gets completely rocked by a speeding cab, which is that maybe, was a hit and run though. <laughs> <laughs> which is maybe the most realistic thing I've ever seen in The Sopranos. It's brutal. Just yeah. gets oh, mowed so... down by a taxi, and the guy just keeps going. I scream every time. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> tough. Yeah, it's rough. It's rough to watch. Cut to outside Satrials. It's been a little bit. This is a fun. Uh, usually, fun scenes happen here, and I particularly like this one as well. Uh, Vito with the weight loss and here's the thing so they're doing a fun thing with Vito already he's clearly going to have an enhanced importance uh, at this point he's a captain he's they allude later on that he's a top earner losing all this weight I, I struggle with this as a heavy guy who gets excited when I get on a good run lose some weight feeling good doing healthy habits but Man, I've known people over my life when they're losing weight, it's like all they can fucking talk about. And that's that's Vito. <laughs> right. Well, uh, uh, sort of a sub-theme in this episode is this weight loss, weight gain thing, right? Mm. Uh, Tony is the biggest he's ever been. Yes. And he's kind of contemplating his weight. He sees that number 280 on the scale. And you just see it in his face for a moment. He's like, oh, I've never been this big before. Major clues read. to James Gandolfini, by the way. That takes a lot of balls. 100%. 100%. Yeah. But he, he gets on the scale and you see that on his face. It's a moment of just like, oh, I've never been this heavy before. Yeah. Whatever we can take from that. On the other side, Vito's losing weight. And, you know, uh, I guess 
it's weird because we see uh, Tony's getting bigger as part of what's coming with his success. I mm. think of the uh, the moon waxing <laughs> when yeah. I think of that fullness, right? Uh, and then you see Vito losing weight, and there's some correlation with that success, but also it's um, there's something that doesn't feel good about it, right? Is it maybe how it's being presented to us, right? Mm. Is it because the guys are taking the piss from, out of him, or, or is it that... Is it that he can't shut up about it? I, I don't know. It doesn't feel good. Well, one thing, as someone who's who's struggled with weight, you, you're you still you at the end of the day right. when you lose the weight. And so Vito is still Vito. Right. Who's not a terribly interesting person who they like to take the piss out of. They don't have a whole lot of respect for him. Should have called your sponsor before you bought that jacket. So, so yeah, he might, he might look like Frankie Valley, but like... And then the four seasons in that suit, but um, you know he's still Vito, and I think that that's gonna that's a struggle for a lot of people who lose a lot of weight is they expect things to be better, mm-hmm. but y- your issues are still the same. Right. It's also an interesting shuffle in how they talk about Tony now and how Vito talks about Tony because um, uh, Tony's now the biggest guy mm-hmm. in their whole uh, circle. Yeah, even Bobby's thinned out. Bobby's a bit. Bobby's now thinner than he is. Yep. And now certainly certainly Vito is as well. So now the the big guy is literally the big guy. He's mm. he's the the biggest guy. Yeah, it's a struggle for me that Vito is played by Joe Gannascoli because he's not a very good actor. Um, <laughs> so there's oh, that, uh, and it's it's weird. It the whole thing is a little uneasy and a bit. His newfound ambition is clumsy. Mm. So that's a it's a whole factor. But it, it's it's lightly touched on in this episode. There'll be more uh, to say. But yeah. to the point, like he's a clumsy guy. I just think about this—the episode with him and Finn. Yeah, he, sure. He just he's just awkward. He's an yeah. awkward guy, and so that again, that doesn't go away. Even though he feels more confident, the the um, the fat guy doesn't transfer to Tony. They're not mm. going to treat Tony like they did Vito. Yeah, so no, no, certainly not. The roles haven't really changed, right. even though physically it might look as such. Yeah. Yeah. We get an important piece of information here. They're going to expand on this as the season goes on, so uh, we're just going to have to take it at face value. But we find out that Phil and Vito are actually cousins. The situation here is that Vito's wife is Phil's cousin, so it's cousin by marriage. We're going to find out more about this, uh, but they're they're planting some seeds here that uh, Vito is going to be of, of more importance this season. And then... Uh, Agent Harris shows up, and we find out some interesting information about him. Agent Harris, Pakistan, anti-terrorism. Post 9-11, a lot of the the FBI's resources were diverted. There's a lot in the wire about this, actually. It kind of dramatically affects situation in the drug war because a lot of the FBI's resources devoted to organized crime and drugs were diverted to... uh, Islamic fundamentalist terror squads, essentially. So that's what uh, Agent Harris is doing now. And he just missed the fucking uh, chicken parm. Veal parm. Veal veal parm, excuse me. Uh, Interesting. How do we feel about Agent Harris on anti-terrorism here? Veal parmesan sandwich. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fun development. Yeah. It's a little touchdown. It's interesting... I don't know, reflection of the Wheel of Fortune thing or the broad idea that things are good. Tony Tony even has a <laughs> peace plank with his former FBI uh, 
uh, antagonist, he's like, oh, I kind of feel bad for the guy. <laughs> when yeah. Chris is like, fuck him. I hope his open, a parasite eats his asshole out, quote yeah. unquote. <laughs> yeah, it's like, where where are Tony's enemies? Yeah. Uh, Johnny Tack's in prison. The FBI has other things to do, apparently. Yeah. Phil Leotardo is, uh, you know, playing soft. Hmm. Because there's no threat to Tony right now. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And that's why that ending is so effective. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Even fucking Ray Curdo. I mean, anything. Anything that could be potentially threatening to Tony is eliminated. Yep. We find out perhaps the Jerry that they were talking about in the Hesh scene was uh, this guy, Jerry Torciano, known as the hairdo who works for Phil. We're going to see him soon. Cut to the scene of the spec house, Doug Fir grade. Uh, unfortunately, they uh, Carmela's father's using utility grade. The point of this scene is that they have to essentially start over. The building inspector shut it down. Carmela and her dad have a little fight. Hire, I'm not for hire. You present us like we were partners. And he gives a line that, uh, again, becomes another thematic backdrop for this whole episode and perhaps the whole season. No good deed goes unpunished. Mm. Uh, and storms out of the house. But poor Carmela, she's going to need to uh, lean on her mobster husband for this one. little symbolic conclusion that, you know, that the house is rotten from the core. Yeah. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a poem by Neil Gaiman called Instructions, which is very popular. And uh, in the riddles section of that poem, one of the answers, it says, There is a worm at the heart of the tower, and that is why it will not stand. And I just, I, I think it must be intentional that the, the house she's building is built with the wrong wood, the kind of wood that won't keep the house up, that will rot, because the money used to build this place is, you know, it's not the right kind of money. Yeah. She's not the right kind of person to be doing this. You know, it's the, it's that whole thing. Yep. Mm. Love that. Vito's all over this episode. Uh, again, Artie, where do you get this bread? The Bread Museum? <laughs> The guys are having, uh, Tony wants this shit with Phil settled, but this is the kind of stuff he's worrying about. Not nothing existential, just uh, a a disagreement between, you know, Philip's shy. Two, a couple of beats ago, he's talking about how Phil had earned his respect. Yeah. And then he works himself up into this anger about Phil. It reminded me of, I think, when we recorded on Cold Cuts, Jordan said, doesn't Tony just need to find things to be angry about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, here we are again. Yep. This is an unforced error that leads <laughs> that leads to the line. The tag on the scene is, I can't catch a fucking break. Cut to Tony catching a break and not knowing about it. Right. Ray Curdo just cardiacing in the middle of this FBI meetup. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, they reference Jenny's brother, the optometrist, who uh, we saw briefly, <laughs> and we're going to uh, meet him more Chris, he's a nah. The first magnitude. <laughs> <laughs> And then, yeah, Paul, uh, can I catch a fucking break? And, boy, does he catch one here and doesn't even realize it. More more turns on the Wheel of Fortune. Now, here's what I'll say. I fucking love this. <laughs> oh, yeah. What a great twist. Mm-hmm. That said, for a certain kind of viewer, can, some, can you maybe see why someone might look at that and say, all that for that? Oh, years of this guy snitching for this? <laughs> oh, I, I thought that's what made it better. Right. I, no, I agree. I'm trying to play devil's advocate. Yeah. It was just like, oh, yeah, you have seasons of Ray Curno, a little bit here, a little bit there. Remember, that guy's a snitch, and then he just fucking dies. I think it's hilarious. Yes. As he's handing a murder discussion yes. that is the audio bad, but I can testify. Uh, uh, 
Perfect. It's yeah. absolutely perfect. It is wild. It's funny. It's I love it. But we're not the hits and tits crowd. Right. Well, right. and I, I don't know. I, I, this is how life goes, man. This right. is just some people disappear. Some people die randomly. You don't always have a grand dramatic death. Yep. And uh, listen. Well, sometimes your uncle fucking shoots you. Thinking <laughs> that you're a dead fucking uh, knock around guy from yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. It's like, no, these things don't happen. Of course, the way that you think. They're going to, um, but that's part of it. They like to surprise. Yeah, mm-hmm. but family's the only one you can trust. Apparently. You know what? Pour one out for Ray Curto. This guy beat the system, in my mind. Oh, yeah. You know what? He lived to old age while being an informant and having a great fucking time. He snitched and fucking loved it. <laughs> he got to take care of his son with MS on gangster money because uh-huh. he just, he still, like, was a gangster, but he didn't have to adopt any big responsibility. Yep. And he goes out in his legacy as he's a stand-up guy. A dying brain. <laughs> That he guy did, won. He, he won the great. mafia. He won the mafia. He yeah. did. His, that's as good as you could do. <laughs> that's as good as you could do. <laughs> that's fucking fantastic. I love that. Good. Yeah. Here, pour one out for Ray Curto. Pour everybody. one out for Ray Curto. Oh man, the best snitch on the show. All right, and we're at this funeral scene. Very funny. Darkly funny. We are getting new season. We are getting some new characters here. We briefly meet, although I don't think he's named this episode. He is credited. We meet Chris's new AA sponsor, Murmur, who's good at forging documents. This guy's so funny. <laughs> a little weird drop. Yeah. Uh, Lenny Venito, I think, is the name of the actor. I like this actor, he's, by the yeah, way. He's not yeah, a yeah, few, he's always great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have to be here, you fucking AA sponsor. <laughs> what a weird thing to drop about the AA sponsor, too, as well. Yeah, my AA sponsor here. Here's a forger. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like that Chris Hap bonded with him over that. That's probably like, oh, you're a criminal? Hey, I'm a criminal. Too. <laughs> that's that's great. Uh, you know, as sad as it is, I bet that happens in, a, in AA and NA. You meet people who are, are brush up against the criminal underworld. Oh, sure. And it's like, yeah, we're getting sober, but I can meet co-conspirators. I bet that happens. Well, there's a safety Absolutely. there, right? Because right. if you tell on me, I can just tell on you. know what I mean? Yeah. 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 We find out Dick Barone died. Of Lou Gehrig's disease. I love that, oh. Chris, this is a recurring joke for Chris. You ever think how strange, funny that is that Lou Gehrig died of Lou Gehrig's disease? <laughs> and then Tony complains. Yeah. You make that joke every time. He's <laughs> so fucking morbid. <laughs> and this is uh, more ick. Eugene comes up and has to give Tony a taste of the inheritance. Especially icky knowing that it doesn't ultimately get him what he's looking for. Right. But how gross that Tony's even entitled to that. And was expecting it, apparently. Yeah, I didn't want to say anything. But this is thoughtful. You know, oh, just awful. What do you think the percentage is for that? I, I don't think much. You I would, think a lot? I would say 10%. Of the whole thing? You think he'd hand it over 200k? That's the boss. I think the, the, the my understanding of the mob is the boss kick up is anywhere from five to ten percent. I think Tony got at least a hundred or two hundred of it. That's Holy my, shit! Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely off guard. I mean, even a fifty k would have been a big boost. I could have said maybe fifty. Yeah, two hundred's crazy. I mean, to me, maybe not. Well, I don't know. I think Listen, being I'm in the mafia is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I've never been in the mob. Maybe it's seven percent. I, like I don't know. I don't know what the. It, well, I don't know. Well, he does, then again, he also does everything, and he without I think being totally obnoxious about it, he pushes. He here, brings Tony gifts. He does the hit. 
he includes this. Maybe it is standard that it would be more like 100,000. Gene put 200,000 in a big envelope and yeah. said, here, give me what I want. I don't know. Yeah. Right. But yeah, yeah, it buys him fucking nothing. I mean, here's my thought. These are gangsters. James Gandolfini's agent made $200,000 if he made $2 million. Right. So, I don't know. I don't think it's impossible. But... All right. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, moving on. He's still mulling it. That's that's where we leave the decision. Eugene, again, doesn't press his advantage, just keeps going. And then we see Rusty. Uh, they have a fun conversation here. Again, reiterating... Oh, not a day over 76. Not day. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about some mob guy and some capo in Westchester who was doing his own radio broadcast, WRAT. That's good writing. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Very good. Uh, and guys like that, they're a dying breed. He's still not good with Phil. He was on, of course, little Carmine side of things. It's Phil Iotato here because I can't be in the same room with that man. Tony has to get out of here. He's had enough. Moving on to... More DN. They're making they're making an offer on a house, or at least responding to a counter. So that that is ongoing. We're gonna come back to them again shortly. Tony gives Carmela after their next sushi dinner a Porsche, Cayenne Turbo. Beautiful gift, beautiful car. She's ecstatic about it. I still wish you called the billing department, but oh my god, what a car! Great delivery there. Yeah, this is a nice gift. Nice gift. Yeah, I I thought, you know, cause a lot of times Tony's gifts are like an apology. Mm-hmm. So my, my instinct as a viewer of this show is to be like, what's he apologizing for? And then I guess that's not what this one was. Mm. This was just reflective of like, Tony's doing really well. Yeah. He could just throw a car at you too. Sure, here you go. Yep. You know, it's just more of that. Well, and he could bank it. Uh, is it um, later this episode He, when she's upset at him and he says, how's the car? Uh, oh, like a, yeah, a second this later, this is this is so even when he's even when he's not even when he's not surprising even when he's not um, he's sorry prepping. apologizing <laughs> he's setting the stage for the next upset. <laughs> no, this yeah. is this is she keeps asking him to pull strings for the spec house and he doesn't want to do it. Right. So this is the diversion. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> sure. That's what this is. Yeah, it's also going to be it's paralleled with uh, Angie's diversion. thing with the car. Mm-hmm. Angie's car at the end is going to interestingly have Carmela I think asking herself some questions mm-hmm. yeah it would probably be cheaper for him just to help with the spec house but she can't succeed that's a anything. very expensive car yeah. yeah oh joe college we got uh, junior here aj sorry aj meadows some kind of internship only seen tony has with his kids they're out of the house tony uh <laughs> makes a joke that aj lending out his coat to some one of his friends who wants to wear it to a party that's great you'll never see it again I love AJ's delivery. You have such a low opinion of people. <laughs> yeah. No shit. Robert Eiler kills this. Um, Robert Eiler. He's very good. Yeah. He's, and Tony... He's this in this next episode coming up, yeah. Tony lays our pull quote on him. Uh, your friends are going to let you down. Family are the only ones you can depend on. This is Tony at, at his most fascinating and paradoxical. He's laying out this idea, which we know will come in for a lot of ironic takes by the end of the episode, but just consider this one scene. Family, they're the only ones you can depend on. These people are Tony's family. He doesn't naturally trust either of them. He obviously doesn't naturally trust AJ, even Mm. Meadow. He verifies. So the ethos that he has is one thing, but his experiences, I think, have taught him to trust nobody. Mm. Uh, that's the that's the yep. paradox of this character. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. I mean, we go into, in the, I don't mean to get too ahead, but like in the next scene where he's talking to Melfi and she brings up Livia, right? Mm-hmm. Like he, he can't trust, he can't depend on Janice to help with Junior. And I would argue that's understandable with yes. the circumstances right yes. now. Um, but where's Barbara, right? These are two people he can't count on. Can't count on, and we can just even go by history. Can't count on, couldn't count on Livia. She never loved him. She never helped him. Mm-hmm. Junior tried to have him killed in the first season. So where does this come from? Mm. Because the people he can count on are his chosen family. Right. Paulie's not going to do anything to him. Paulie's going to do whatever he says. I weirdly think that maybe this quote is Tony as optimist. Because, you know, yeah. he still really tries in his mind to uh, think good thoughts about his mother and his uncle and the way things were and his family. You know, when Livia dies, when he gets that news, one of the first things he says is, she loved you kids. You know, mm. it, it, he tries to preserve them in his mind in a way. And I think to him, it's more about what he was taught. Your family's the most important thing. But we can see that you can't always count on them in this show, and that he probably shouldn't. Right. Is Tony's? These are all good points. Is to, like he says the first part of the quotation is, "I don't care how close you are, your friends are going to let you down." Is Tony's reading that Gene wanting to leave the life is mm. a friend letting him down, mm. or I'm not going to let you get away because I need you and I need you to remain loyal? Yeah. Does he care that much about Eugene? Um. No, I mean, they're not close like he and Big Pussy were. Right. But that's the, I think that's the idea. Your friends are going to let you down. Right. So don't let them close. Mm. Keep them close, yeah. don't let them in. Tony is also, let's not forget, there's other context here that is not spoken, that Tony has put his entire future of his family, his enterprise, his legacy, into Christopher, his family. So he has to believe <clears throat> that family is going to carry the day because that's what he's banked the future of the family on. Sure. Uh, whether that works out, we'll find out, hopefully, before the end of the show. But Must remember, Eugene and Christopher, I believe, were made on the same day. Yeah. Correct. Yes. Very oh, good wow. Point. Yeah. And, and maybe that Blackbird wasn't just for Chris. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Though we, we also yeah, hypothesized they, that that bird wasn't, was possibly not even there. We don't know. Mm-hmm. It could have been just a vision for Chris. But yeah, correct. Correct. Yeah. That, well, that came back to me that they were made at the same time when it becomes clear in one beat in this episode they did not have the same trajectory. Oh, mm-hmm. no. Yeah. Yep. Um, Chris very quickly shows Eugene his rank. A tale Mm -hmm. of two gangsters, yeah. We talked about the heart of the Melfi scene a moment ago, so we don't need to dig too much deeper, but uh, there's some great verbiage here. This is a good Melfi scene, uh, good for several reasons. Uh, To be clear, I don't think the therapy's going well. Whether the therapy is on any kind of meaningful trajectory at this point is entirely indicated by the fact when Melfi drops that critical line about acknowledging that he had a mother who didn't, you had a mother who didn't love you, and the next shot is Tony looking at his watch. Doesn't yeah. he, he? just you know doesn't doesn't want to go there. Isn't putting in the work. He says in the scene with Carmelo that he's not taking the meds. There are ways to you take meds or you don't, and you wean yourself off them. There is no school of thought <laughs> anywhere that says your prescribed meds take them when you want. <laughs> Or just go off them when you feel like it. Nothing like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yep. Was this our only Melfi scene this episode? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is this the scene where he also, uh, they're having a discussion about assisted living, and then he actually says it's a nursing it's home? It's a nursing home, yeah. Which is a complete inverse of what he usually does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People say, did you put your mom in a nursing home? He says, it's a retirement community. community. This is finally him admitting 
It's a nursing, it's, it's a nursing home. Yeah, yeah. He's trying to avoid doing what happened with Livia there. And uh, great, great line, too. By the way, I have to give credit to this line. Uh, <laughs> he's talking about seeing how Junior was vital, alive. And he tells this story about seeing a nanny with a baby crossing the street and a nanny with an old lady crossing the other way. And uh, Melfi says, circle of life. And his response is, circle jerk of life. Where's the dignity? <laughs> Good and again, me. Wheel of Fortune. Yes, yes. More cyclical. And this is this is the only. Uh, there's the first beat, after the sequence with Seven Souls, Junior's house. This scene, which is mainly focused on Junior, and the last sequence. Mm. This is the we don't touch down it other than that. Yep. Gene is the A storyline. It's just that this one is the lasting one. Right. They visit. Uh, they they make an overture. The guys, not much to talk about here except how fucking funny I find this scene, when they go to see Ginny's brother, uh, <laughs> the optometrist. They try on the glasses. They try to set up a meeting or a discussion item to, to get Johnny to focus Phil. And, uh, oh, you know what? I left my wallet in the car. I'll get you next time. <laughs> they walk I out know with he these... was just going for the more expensive sunglasses, but he should have stuck with the Ray-Ban They look better. The aviators look better. Yeah, I agree. Hmm. Yeah, I can, I can fuck with that. I liked Silvio's pair. That walk out. Yeah, yeah. Silvio's <laughs> he got, walking out of it. He got across some good the, ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Silvio looked very satisfied with those friends. Silvio loves a new outfit or a new new accessory to wear. Absolutely. Uh, just quickly on the Melfi scene, another funny line. Uh, Tony talking about the pillow. Just keep keep my hands occupied. Like, <laughs> just so full of shit. <laughs> We're back to John in prison. They're talking about the asset potential asset seizure. They want inventory. The feds want inventory of the whole house. Johnny's sinking demeanor when he finds out that Chris wants to buy the Maserati. He'll pay cash, he said, and his head just sinks. The guy who used to wait in the car yeah. and should still be there now is getting it at a reduced rate. Mm-hmm. That's rough. Yep, yep. Good times for the Jersey crew. This Phil Hesh thing is something Johnny immediately... Do I not, like, this is the last fucking thing he wants to be dealing with right now. This is exactly why he's delegated to Phil. Call Phil and have him fucking handle it. And then we get a little moment of him getting... Emotional looking at pictures of his daughter Allegra's. I guess it's a bridal shower, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. So clearly that's uh, upsetting for John to see, but. The soft spot for the gangsters, the kids. Yes, always. Meeting at the Bing. I almost said, Mushrooms grown out my ass. Now there's an image. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, you know, the gist of it is here they, they go out back, they hash this out with Jerry Torciano. It was a big misunderstanding. Um, this is a, a good scene for the reason that it's 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 a demonstration of how Tony and Phil are operating. This is pretty amicable. This seems like exactly the how most it be. level these two have ever been together. Yeah, right. no one's losing a temper. You fucked up my friend. Blah blah blah. They 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 name their number. Yep. What do you want? Fifty. Name it. All right. Great. Let's do this. Now that that's out of the way, office park. They go through their business. Counter offers. Counter offers. Apples and bowling balls. They could butt heads at several points. We, we know this show well enough. There are several points where Tony could have gotten stubborn and made a big stink out of it. And maybe the episode would have been, how do we get Phil to budge on this? Right. But that's not what it is. We're, the viewer, very active in this scene because yeah. we expect two things in that dialogue exchange that does not happen. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, Tony, uh, you know, Phil puts out the number 25 or his, his guy does. And we expect uh, Tony to become very indignant and yeah. come back with a ridiculous number or something like that. And, and when he says it's not enough, Phil says, all right, 50, whatever you want. 
complete subversion of her expectations about how that encounter is supposed to go. Yeah, nobody yep. got punched. No. Then they move on to the next thing. Uh-oh, this new construction deal. Uh-oh, it's supposed to be Esplanade-like. There was never more conflict than there was about the Esplanade. What's this like going to be between Phil and, and Tony? I don't know, what's the split? 65-35, that works for you? Sure. That's the whole meeting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's it. As if they're normal people. Yeah. But they're, of course, just pretending to be normal people. <laughs> but it's working. Yeah. yeah. Chris has a little something to say about it. Why do you... Uh, Always keep cave to this ca- guy. Caving to this guy. I'm not caving. This is a strategy. It's a long-term strategy. I'm not sure what the strategy is. Perhaps it's just trying to keep things even with Phil Leotardo, a guy that there's a lot of bad blood with, which he does acknowledge. Well, there's a pretty uh, sobering admission from Tony here. It sure is. This guy's got 200 soldiers in his family. I mean... That's that's the well, that's the unfortunate thing about being with the Jersey family is yeah. if push comes to shove really, they can fucking smoke you. Yeah, right. well, the, that that scene ends. Chris saying, "I'm not scared of him." It's like, well, you're not as smart as Tony. Correct. I mean, <laughs> well, yeah. and do you think there's an element of Tony feels a little bad that it's Johnny Sack when it very well could have been him? So mm-hmm. it's like, let's give these guys a break. Yeah. You know, like take what I can get because I am free. Right. Yep. And also, he's doing so well yeah. already. You know, yep. it's not like he's hurting for more cash. Correct. So, interesting stuff. Uh, speaking of interesting stuff, come on, Tim Van Patten. Tim Van Patten's having fun with that Vito hot dog shot. Come on now. Very phallic. <laughs> yeah. Come oh, yeah. on. Absolutely. And just, the hot dog no right bun, out of the too. bun just, he's, he's on a diet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Atkins is really big then. Yeah, yep. Yeah. He just walks right past the camera. That was like the 90s version of the keto diet, I guess. Yeah, right? same, yep. same idea. Yeah, yeah. when they're at the hospital with Hesh's daughter, he's like, hot water with lemon would be great. It's like, how about shutting the fuck up? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, not the 90s. This is going to be early 2000s, early 2000s at this point. Yeah, yes. right. yeah. Both, it's both. So yeah. you're fine. Then we get the scene, Paul, you alluded to this. Chris is a captain now, something we find out here. Call from Fritzy up in Boston. Lily, they did their research, didn't they? That's who their contact in Boston would be. It would be some Irish guy named Fritzy. Sure to say, sure to say. Yep. <laughs> it's not the first time the show has used the name Fritzy, by the way. Fritzy Netsy? From Hoboken? Hey, you know him? No. Then shut the fuck up and let me finish. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Chris is essentially ordering a hit, and he has the full authority to. It's come from Tony. It's coming from me. I'm not a fucking captain. Sends this guy, debt collection, final notice time. We know what that means. Uh, and the most heartbreaking part of this is you can see how badly Eugene doesn't want to do it. But... Do a good job on this. I'll put in a good word for, to- for to- with Tony on the Florida thing. <sighs> okay. This seems to me, I would be under the assumption if I were Eugene, it's like, okay, do this. Maybe I'll get to go to Florida and this is, all right, he's asking me to do this. This is my penance. For, this is my price to get to Florida. So, I had a slightly different read on Go ahead, please. But I, I agree with you. From the Eugene side, that is what it sounds like. All right, do this hit for Chris. This is the last thing I have to do, and then I'm going to Florida. I agree. Yeah. That is his take. The viewer's take, and if you're reading it from Chris's side or Tony's side, Tony acting through Chris, I'm kind of like, are you trying to put a murder on this guy right before he's trying to leave so that he feels like beholden to you to like maybe stay mm. because like the murder's going to be something sticky that he can't get out from under? Mm. You know what I mean? 
Like, this yeah. is something he could get his foot caught in the door a little bit, or it's a little messy. There's yep. something about this. It just gives know. a little more collateral for Chris and Tony. Right. I yeah. fully agree. Yeah, like, oh, you're going to go to Florida? What about that thing you just did? Right. You know, that, yeah. that's something, you know. That's gross. <laughs> or at the very least, they let him go, and he starts talking. They mm. have something on him, too, recent right. on him, too. Right. I mean, it's fascinating. A lot of the ways that they treat him seem pretty gross, but... They're right not to trust him. If that's the operational point of view that they just trust nobody, it's like, well, don't trust him. Yeah. Right. He's, he's, a, he's a rat. We find out very soon that he, his plan was to move to Florida after, and, and basically come back for the trial, right? Which yeah. means testify. So there, he's absolutely right not to. That's the, that's the double-edged part of it. Tony's gorging himself at Nori. Uh, his breathing, by the way, this is... The, the, to add to his size and, and, and everything that's going on with him... The sound of his breathing is all over this episode. They could cut that out. That's put in deliberately. Mm. Uh, we're supposed to just... He's just... His size, his... Uh, well, I, I don't mean to be unkind. He's hes much heavier than he was. Yeah. I think he just has some labored breathing. Mm. That happens sometimes. Right. But I'm saying it's a choice for them to leave it in the show. That doesn't have to be there. The last, few, the last couple of minutes is just his labored breathing. Right, yeah. He's not, he's, he can't even right. speak. Mm. Yep. Tony's... Back at the house, weighing himself, taking the shoes off, then the pants. I <laughs> uh, like how they shot that, but again, very brave of Gandolfini to do this, uh, but they're making a point of it. I love the way they shot this next scene with the empty chairs in the foreground. Mm. While Tony and Carmela have this argument about Nori being their special place, and now that the kids are gone. and uh, I sort of get what Carmela's beef is here, but... Oh, it's the equivalent of watching Game of Thrones by yourself when it's like, yo, we do that together. Mm. You know? Or insert whatever other TV show that's more relevant. Yeah, she said it was our place, no kids. And it it was also, I think, sharing that was part of revitalizing the sharing with the kids gone. My parents fucking love doing this kind of thing now Mm. with all the kids out of the house. Going and because they're a little older, my mom doesn't want to cook every night. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's a sh- and it's a shared thing. It's special. I, I have places I wouldn't go without Heather. Better, sure, uh, you know he should know better. I think yeah. I'm actually on Carmela's side hmm. with this one. Okay. Oh, she totally right to be. A little like, we have a couple places like yeah. that. I guess too. It would be a little. If I'm having listen, there. if I'm having a great Italian meal and you're not there, I feel guilty. <laughs> Isn't his defense funny though? I went. I went there alone, Carmela. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, because the insinuation was would be that right. you're cheating on me, but no, you went alone. That's legit. It's just like no, you yeah. should go with me. Also, in yeah. fairness, Chris, I mean, she doesn't scream at him. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, no, she's yeah. just no, like, she's a, just like, like, like come on. Like, yeah, yeah I, I got. It. And then uh, you know we could go if you want. No, don't be silly. And as he's walking away, how's the car? <laughs> he kind of looks too. He has a yeah. look like maybe I shouldn't even tried that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no verbal response from her, mm. by the way. Yeah, <laughs> she gives a look. Uh, Eugene drives upstate to New York, does this fucking hit um, at this local kind of chicken burger joint. Uh, just kills this guy. Two nice, nice clean hit. I mean, nobody assuming nobody knows him up there. Just bang, bang, two, three in the head. Uh, drops the gun and walks out. Here are where some of my questions begin, or I should mm-hmm. say, continue. Mm-hmm. I believe it's Alan Seppenwall himself who plays the guy that gets killed. Oh really? oh really? Yeah. Oh cool. That's fine. Oh, that's by fine. this point, I become a big fan of the show. Did a lot sure. of great write-ups on it. Um, and when Pontecorvo's driving back, uh, the track in his car is "Dreaming" by Blondie. Yep. Mm. Dreaming is free. Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. I caught um, that too. Okay. 
So, I guess my first thing is, am I supposed to take anything from... Well, no, it's a two-part question, everyone. I apologize. And I didn't look this up. Sorry, listeners. Mm -hmm. Um, First, this episode is titled Members Only. What is a Members Only jacket? I understand that is what he's wearing, but what is it? What is this? What is the meaning of this? What what is the meaning of a poppet? What means a poppet? What is the meaning of the Members Only jacket? I don't know that the jacket has deeper meaning. I think it's one of those double episode titles. It works on the physical level because it is the physical jacket that you... It's the brand, it's the it's the style of jacket that Eugene is wearing. Is that Eugene a, is a, the main character of the episode. Is that a brand? I, I don't it's know that it's a brand, it's, it's a an style. actual brand. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it is a, a brand. It's the edit. style. Yeah. It's kind of like the... Um, forgive me for explaining it like this, but I think it helps... A varsity jacket without the stuff on oh, like it, right? So you've got, it's got those little shoulder yeah, flaps. Yeah, it's got the like um, the the uh, elastic kind of neckline, and it, okay. it's usually got it's a it's a cool jacket. It's very specific looking. Yeah, that's a that's a thing. A members only jacket is a thing. It's had a revitalization recently. They sell yeah. it mostly online, but at uh, places like Urban Outfitters, I guess it's become more like a hip hipster kind I, of thing. I, I saw it. And I know in the show it's a little bit of an enchanted object, which we'll talk about another time. And I saw the jacket and I said, this is a terrible thing to wear to a hit. Because most people aren't wearing these. Mm -hmm. And if anyone casually saw you, they'd say, he's wearing one of those members-only jackets. Right? Mm -hmm. So that was the first thing that got me. The Mm -hmm. other thing that got me was... um, And again, these are maybe these are just observations more than questions. It was just this whole hit was very peculiar. And I know it was quick. It was peculiar anyway. Um... There's a recognition between him and the guy before he shoots him, or does he? Is there a feigned recognition, like "Hey, Teddy, right, right"? And mm. Teddy's response isn't like "Who the fuck are you?" He says, "Oh, hey," reaches out to shake his hand. Yeah, yeah. So there's like a a, a knowing, it seems. Um, we're at this place. It's a public place. Mm. This is not after hours. There are other people eating. Yeah. Okay. He comes in, clean shot, boom, boom, through the head, from the side, drops the gun, exits. I just, I can't believe we're allowing this many witnesses. You're wearing a really specific jacket. Uh, the guy seemed to know him. I don't know. It just, it, it felt so off to me, comparatively to other hits and deaths on this show. Maybe this is business as usual. I don't know. It did feel a little weird to me, too that it was in a public place and there were people around. That said, the minute shots go off, every person in that place is like... That's true. Yeah, Hiding their face totally. away. The whole Who's going to ID him, really? And I guess, what well, does he really look they, like? They anyway? kind of go over this in The Godfather. Like, Michael, I believe, at makes it... like, Or they're talking about other people in the restaurant. You don't look them in the eye, but you don't look away. They'll be scared, trust me. Most people... I mean, there's a... Unfortunately, a video came across my news feed in the last few weeks of some guy got killed on 9th Avenue. It was blatantly some kind of hit. Hmm. Guy just walks up behind them, pulls out a gun. There's a bunch of people just walking to work, walking to restaurants, walking to the subway. Shoots him in the back of the head. He falls over on the sidewalk. And everybody who just saw this just flies off in every different direction. No one's going to try to tackle the guy (coughs) with the gun. You probably didn't even notice him until the gun went off. He was just some asshole standing there. I think it works. I think actually, and believe it or not, the mob, it's a little harder these days with all the cameras everywhere, but the mob did a lot of hits in public because it is that kind of environment. It's like, who's right. looking okay. until, you're, until no, you know you're what right. to look right. for? And you drop the gun, why? Because then you, the shooter, will never be caught with the gun. Oh, okay. 
If you're caught with the gun that committed the murder, they can tie you directly oh, to okay. it. Well, that's if the gun and the murderer are separate, they have to tie that gun to you somehow. No prints on the gun. Yeah, he's got you, the gloves. You leave the gun, you take mm-hmm. the cannoli. Right, right. Okay. Yeah. And the guy he is hitting is named, he's got a really specific name. Teddy Spiridakis. Teddy Spiridakis. Greek. A name that really stands out. Yeah. Okay. So the member's only jacket is also interesting because it's, yeah, as Jordan said, it's there, but it's only mentioned briefly. Mm. Um, I think of the membership in the mob. Yeah. Of course. I also think of... Well, and it's membership that's at stake here, right? He wants out. Um, Yeah, exclusivity. Yeah. I could be reaching here... The membership of death, like mm-hmm. only the dead get in, <laughs> and we're de- death is hanging over this episode. Um, I don't know, but yeah, mm. there's a lot in there. Yeah. Oh yeah. I can like I feel it watching it. Absolutely. No, I I, I feel it too. I, I also love this next shot. Um, it's a little on the nose, but I like it when Eugene wipes the blood off his face and mm-hmm. there's just, just a big blood smear on the road, on the New well, Jersey map. Well, on, on nice. the map, yeah. which for me meant wherever you go. Yeah. Mm. There. Mm. It's also, yeah, exactly. It's, 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 uh, just, it was good. Like, like I said, just barely on the nose, well, but Mac- it, Macbeth it was... already mentioned in relationship with this guy, you can't wash the blood from your hands, right? Yep. If you get it off your face, fine. Now it's on the map. You know, it's just you, you can't undo the deed. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Well said. Uh, this is not like the, not Carmela at her most likable. She does come to pick up uh, Ginny for a spa date, <laughs> but she's she's showing off her new car to a woman who's at risk of losing everything. <laughs> she's so excited to show her the car. I... She, like, looks back at it and then pretends, oh, the, yeah. I don't think she did it on purpose. I, I think, think so? it's a thought. I read it as a thoughtless moment. Not yeah. a, like I think she went there to do a nice thing. Yes, I think. Tara I'm going to bring you to this. Yeah. I, I think. I, I don't think she thought about it until it's like, oh, I don't know that she would go home and be like, that might have been mm. like too yeah. much. Which is why she then brags about it. But it's like, no, I, I, she went there to do a nice thing. It's just the first thing Jenny's going to notice is her new Porsche. Mm. Um, something that she's going to have taken away from her. Yep. Another thing taken away from her. It, it is icky. It's an ick yeah. moment. I just, I think the intent is a little more pure than that. Though mm-hmm. I've always been a Carmela stan, so here we go. <laughs> and Ginny is not like dressing as nicely, presenting herself as nicely. The hair's not done. The makeup's not not top notch. Right. That's deliberate. They're they're crunched for money. Johnny yep. out of the house. Plant even something nice like planning a wedding. I'm sure add stress. She's dodging fucking creditors. Yeah, you know it's terrible. Yeah. Well, and when you're depressed, you don't take as good care of yourself, right? Right. Like, right. And this yeah. is someone that already struggles with taking care of themselves. Mm-hmm. So. Back to the Bing. Uh, <laughs> Vito again going on and on about this weight loss to anyone who will listen. Riveting. Right, yeah. <laughs> Very funny though. I like that he's talking about the importance of you know you, you, Tony should come with me to the gym or whatever, and then he he can't fucking walk across the Bing parking lot. He has to park in the handicapped space and get mad when the one handicapped ex judge comes to watch. <laughs> yeah, as if that's not a good guy to have in your back pocket. Fucking guys like, here again, like an idiot too. On top of it, like the the woman who's like a host or at the at the Bing has to be like the man's a former judge. Yeah. You idiot. 
<laughs> I just love that he's exercised, weight loss, all this work, and how good it is. God forbid he should have a heart attack kind of thing. And then he can't walk across the fucking parking lot. It's not that big of a parking lot. I drive <laughs> past it daily. But, uh, <laughs> it's just now very here again. <laughs> God, that's funny. So he gets up. Tony's got a new boat. Stugats too. Yep. And uh, he's on the new boat, but he wanted to talk to... First of all, he tells that awful joke to break the ice. If your nose runs and your feet smell, you're built upside down. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> Uh, but poor Eugene, he's, um, he gets the news here from Silvio. Tony can't even tell him himself, and you can tell that that in and of itself is hurtful. Uh, Tony wanted me to talk to you. That's a no-go. You're part of the team. Very middle management kind of, you know, it's the kind of thing fucking, like, Michael Scott would tell somebody. Just so you know, yeah, you're part of the team here. You're a valuable member of our society, and it can't be accommodated. We're sorry. Like, he's, like, he's, uh, getting, not getting a vacation time approved. Yeah, right. Uh, and he kind of—it's not even like if Michael tells you; it's yeah. like Michael told Dwight to tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, can I talk to Tony at least? I wouldn't bother him. He's on the new boat. Yeah, Lovely. on the new boat. Boats, Porsches, expensive sushi—it's just all over the place, all over the place. Uh, and then he walks out, and Eugene is gutted, and of course. This is the most interesting veto scene at this point yet because, again, watching this for the first time, you're wondering, okay, everything is going real well for Tony. Who's going to be the threat this season, right? right? And they're setting us up. We'll see where this all goes. I, you know, They're probably not going to live up to expectations on this. But they're setting Vito up as a threat here. Putting the bug in Eugene's ear, like, oh, if Tony happened to, I'm the top earner now. If something happens to Tony, I could be running this family one day. Dream on, right? But it just sounds so fucking stupid coming from him, though. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, of course. But Eugene's in a desperate situation, right? And well, we're taking it in much more than Eugene is. Correct. Right? He can't. He probably can't even hear what he's really saying. Right. 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 Uh, Barb calls Tony on a boat. And uh, Tony, uh, she she can't take care of Junior. Something happened to uh, Barb's husband. He inhaled toxic chemicals. They have to go to the hospital. Uh, Janice and Bobby can't take care of Junior. Tony's very upset about that. Tries to call. Throws the phone. God damn it. Ho- beautiful day on his luxury boat ruined. It is a nice boat. But, uh, yeah, so he has to go back. Fucking Bobby with the train. Oh, isn't he the cutest? His little hat. He's so cute. It's my hobby, Janice. Why you gotta belittle it? (laughs) (laughs) He's just the cutest. But they're interviewing uh, for the baby at a private school. And uh, uh, it's very ridiculous, but of course, she does call Tony out. <laughs> this is one of my favorite exchanges of the scene. <laughs> Nobody was more competitive than your wife when it came to this stuff with AJ. And Tony's answer is, yeah, a lot of good it did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just fantastic. Fan-fucking-tastic. Tony is furious. You know what, fuck it. You want to do something right, you got to do it yourself. That moment with Bobby in the conductor's hat. That's so good. Janice mouths off to Tony, and Tony points you. You and I are going to talk. <laughs> well, you didn't have to wear your fucking hat. <laughs> Poor Bobby. Poor Bobby. I, I think it's cute he's got a little train hobby here. We all think it's cute. It's very cute. Everyone except Janice and Tony Soprano. Correct. 
Joyless. Both of them joyless. Carm and Angie are having dinner. And we find out a couple things here. That Artie and Charmaine are getting back together. Yep. Love that. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we get a sense um, at several points that maybe this is a pattern for them. They're together. They're not. They're together. They're not. Over their life. Over the span of their life. Yeah, I think it's in the next episode they actually say something about it. Yeah, yeah, The first time they broke up. Right, right. uh, it's like, oh, I was like, oh, okay. So things are a little bit more hopeful to Artie, for Artie than I realized. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, this is something they do. I, we all, where, know, where we, we lo- all know couples like this. Yeah. Where we last left Artie, he really needed <laughs> Charmaine in his life. So I'm glad that uh, we're, we're getting that back, however it happens. And how uh, Carmela and Angie, you're not really sure what happened. They just kind of fell, fell away, but here we're back. I think Tony maybe... You know, destroying her Cadillac the one time they had a fucking conversation <laughs> together probably might have had something to do with it. But Well, and also, I'm sure it would be painful for both of them to hang out with each other, Carmela, because Angie is her biggest fear, and Angie because Carmela is what she once had, almost. Yes. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. maybe not compatible friends for a while. Yeah. And we get the best Eugene and Deanne scene. I love this mm. scene where they uh, he he is breaking the news to her, and she's broken. She's devastated about this, and he is trying so hard to salvage it. He's trying to. He's deluding himself, as we find out just a scene or two later. But uh, well, maybe it's for the best. Uh, we'll find a good place. All these guys understand his image. Uh, we'll go to Livingston or North Caldwell. A year or two, I'll make captain. You'll see. She's not having it. She brings out the heroin bag that finds under his bed. You see Eugene register it for a second and then immediately... I mean, he doesn't have the worst point here. Well, if like Florida's any better, it's the drug capital of the world. <laughs> not wrong, but... Well, it underlines that Florida wasn't going to be the solution, but... Right, yeah, yeah. But, I don't know, maybe if he wasn't involved in the mob, maybe he would have a little bit more time to be more involved, but who knows... So, yeah, this is very sad. He's a, you know, um, she flat out says, put a bullet in his fucking head. I can't do that. He's the boss, Deanne. Boss of what? He's a piece of shit. She just really lays it out. True Lady Macbeth fashion now. Kill the king. Kill the king. It's your aunt's money. Your money. It has nothing to do with him. There's this wonderful Jersey contemporary I want you to look at. He's just, he's, he's not, he can't do it he's not giving her what she wants and she's just beside herself and walks out great acting here great scene Mm -hmm. scene. both of them wonderful yeah Yeah. just good work uh tony shows up at juniors what's he watching paul okay uh the stanza goes like this um the boasts of heraldry the pomp of power all that beauty all that wealth air gave all alike await the inevitable hour. Paths of glory lead but to the grave. Um, that is the stanza from a poem called Elegy Written in an English Churchyard by Thomas Gray. It's where the novel Paths of Glory and the movie that Junior is watching get their title. That thematically is the Wheel of Fortune that the episode revolves around. And this movie, um, this movie is one of my favorite movies. Um, it's an early Stanley Kubrick movie. Um, not one of his most famous ones, but yeah, I didn't. Even, I, didn't I knew the movie and I know Kubrick, but I didn't know that the two. That's actually really wild. I for, forgot that that's a Kubrick movie. Yeah, it's an early. I don't know how he got away with making this in the nineteen fifties, um, the most conformist decade in the history of Hollywood. Uh, but it's an anti-war film about the First World War, the French High Command, 
um, is pilloried in this movie. And what they do in the movie, long story short, is having lost face in a terrible battle, they choose three men to run through a show trial and execute for cowardice. Mm. So these three guys are destroyed, in effect, for quote-unquote disloyalty. And what happens in this episode? Two guys, soldiers in the mob, die because of their disloyalty or in the course of their disloyalty. The third, being Tony, because of his loyalty, because of his misplaced loyalty, ends up gut-shot and bleeding out on the floor. It's, it's great. It's a great reference. Um, it works. This movie would have come out in the prime of Junior being a gangster. Mm-hmm. And he is well, looking at it, he barely knows what the fuck is going on. Yeah. Um, it would have been his glory as a, as a soldier. And he doesn't even know what he's looking at. I, I love that they bring it up here. Mm. Love that, Paul. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Junior's lost his teeth. Lost my uppers. God fuck it all. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, and kudos to, to Dominic Chinisi for appearing on camera without his teeth. Yeah. that's That could be big, too. Yeah, absolutely. No, this is great. A lot of bravery from these people. A lot of vulnerability. Ugly, showing uh, uglier and less flattering sides of themselves uh, for our entertainment. Thank you. Uh, had a banana in there. I'll get Jay and Grifuva <laughs> right on it. <laughs> great line. Gene gets a call. They're having that follow-up scene in the bedroom. And uh, he talks about her going down ahead of time. He'll join her later. What? She's, we'll get a condo, something, a vacation house. She's just even more of a clemped at this point. Phone rings. Go. His master's voice. He takes it in the bathroom now. And we find out that he is another yet cooperator. Uh, and uh, he finds out that Ray was Ray Curdle cooperator. We lost a big asset this month. He puts the pieces together. And now the, even the FBI is telling him, Gene, Florida's something you just got to let go. Mm, yeah. And uh, I don't know. This guy is a terrible guy. <laughs> he uh, has done, it, he has managed to make me really care about this in 45 minutes. It's I feel amazing. I feel gutted for him there in that car. Just the hopelessness and how trapped he is and... How much uh, I don't like this FBI guy who pretends to be his friend. Right. In the way that he, like, chit-chats with him. Gino, you gotta call me. I'm like, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah. fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like, you know, like, like we should catch up over coffee sometime kind yeah. of tone. It's so, so ridiculous. Yeah. <sighs> Beautifully shot sequence of him looking at the, the album. Uh, mm-hmm. He's the, he, um, Another thing he did a great job of in this hour is just really conveying with very few words how hurt he is by the trajectory of his son and how much this son means to him. And the little smile on his face while he's playing with the seashell uh, and they get that kind of slow memory evocative kind of cut on the side of his face and then uh, we get that very kind of concerned last look of his. We don't realize we've changed scenes yet and then he steps off the speaker. And I gotta say, man, this is the most realistic hanging ever I've ever seen on, on film. Yeah. Truly, they do not. It goes on forever. They do not spare you a, a second. It down down. You want to talk about circle of life and where's the dignity, Tony? Down to the piss dripping down his leg yeah. after he finally has that last little twitch. Yeah. The jerk motion that he's like not yeah. even there for anymore. It, yeah. yeah. Oof. It's brutal. It's it, brutal. It takes a lot of balls to. Have this go on for a minute 20 and just have your audience sit with it. Yeah, it goes on forever. The constant motion, the involuntary motion of his hands to like try to take it back. 
mm. even though it's deliberate. Uh, amazing. Great physical acting from this actor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I did sit with for a minute that, like, I was like, what an ugly way to, to, to kill yourself. I know this method is common. Yeah. I just wondered, I was like, you're a gangster. These guys all have guns or... I mean, even drugs would be better. I, there's something about the hanging. I don't know the finality of it. Maybe on the artistic side, we just wanted that image, but it's interesting. Yeah, mm. yeah, really brutal, uh, but well done. <laughs> it's 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 one of those beautiful things, but also horrible to look at. It's it's uh, but well done. Kudos to the best portrayed hanging I've ever seen. And yeah, um, and of course, it made me think of Adriana. You know, it made me yeah. think of, like, well, what is the way out for these people? You know? Mm. This was his only way out. And I guess the money transfers to his family. Maybe they can still do something with it. But. Yeah. His wife will be free to go with the right. money. Uh, but as long but, as he's um, there, they're fucked. It, it just, that scene then makes you want to immediately rewatch the whole episode. Yeah. You know? And think about what he's thinking in all these moments. And, <laughs> and his struggle. I mean, the, 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 the struggle of... Why is he even going through all this with Tony if he knows he can't get out of the FBI and vice versa? And it's so interesting. Yeah, I just, guess that's the real hanging. Getting one of his, know? getting one of these parties to sign off on him going to Florida is a monumental task, as we found out. Getting both of them is impossible. He was fucked from the start. Uh, he yep. was deluding himself, frankly. Uh, right. But man, it's rough. But good stuff. You know, I think that might have something to do with the sun too. You know. I'm lucky to not really have much of this in my life, but I would I can imagine that the desperation to a get out to have to change location to find that joy again, especially because in looking at the photos we can see that the beach is a place a happy place for that family. Yeah, and so to do to do everything you possibly can, even if it's a fool's dream, to get out of there and go to the beach to save my family. Mm. Every suicidal person has some level of thought that they'll be better off without me. No matter what your circumstances, that's a part of the cocktail that makes up a suicidal person. Yeah, what's yeah. sad is in this case it's true. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. But kudos, Robert Funaro. You really... You really fuck... Yeah, I know. No, but... That, that's the tragedy of it, right? Uh, kudos, Robert Funaro. You fucking knocked this out of the park. I was so impressed with this performance. I hope they submitted this for an Emmy consideration. This is one of those just like one-off supporting things that just fucking blew my mind when I saw it. I was like, Gorgeous. holy... Eugene fucking Ponacorvo, the guy who cracked the bottle of Snapple over a homophobic comment. Sweet. He was like an animal. <laughs> right. And he was, but we uh, ended up giving a shit. Man, so good. Good, good job to all involved. Writers, everything. Talk about a scene that ruins a song for you. <laughs> uh, Who's down there? Com Shaw. Comes Love by Artie Shaw is playing on the radio as Tony's fixing Junior some pasta. Not long, just Junior. Who's down there? Artie Shaw cooks cooks up a little more, uh, and Junior comes down. Outside of Malenga, shoots him right in the gut. It's such a shock. You barely register what happened, and then Tony's on the floor and Junior's on his way upstairs. What did he say to him in Italian? Uh, well, so Malenga's I... the name of Pussy Malenga. It's I think it's it, it's as simple as I remember looking it up at the time. I could look it up right now. It's I like guess, you should die. It's you like die. yeah, die mother. Yeah. It's like you die, curse you. 
Huh. It's just like, you know, it's, it's something you would say to somebody. In, it, it's it's something Junior would say to somebody he would have killed in his prime mm-hmm. who would have understood Italian. It's it's just like a damn you, right, fuck right, you, okay. Malenga. Yeah. So he runs up the stairs. Uh, here's, a, here's a question that gets into some dark territory that maybe we can dissect uh, at a future date once we've gotten more context on this incident but on one hand junior's totally out of his fucking mind obviously he's he the junior we met at the beginning of the series is for all intents and purposes gone right on the other hand i i asked myself i found myself asking myself this time watching through maybe you know seventh or eighth time seeing this if bobby or janice is there that night do one of them get shot or is this specifically reserved for Tony. I think specifically reserved for Tony. Right, I agree. And that, that adds a freaky layer to it, doesn't well, it? I think some of it has to do with Tony's delusion. I don't think Janice would be treating him the same way Jun- he's treating Junior. Tony's behaving as if Junior is Junior, and we know Junior's gone. Janice mm. treats Junior like he's demented. Mm. And right. so, you know, Tony's, like, making jokes like, Artie Shaw's down here, but Junior legitimately doesn't know who's downstairs, which mm. is why he comes down with the gun. Right. So that's why it's... I don't think it has anything to do with season one. I think it has everything to do with Tony's refusal to understand that Junior's not Junior anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. And uh, listen, Alzheimer's and dementia, every case is different. In the end, it takes everything. But uh, a lot of times what will happen... We see this with relatives who we go to visit who are affected by these disorders is they will associate certain people with certain other people and it all kind of blends into one shape for them. Tony at one time, even though that is his nephew, is also a rival, Mm. right? And Pussy Malanga is going to operate that same shape. That's not going to be the same thing with Janice, right? Mm. So Tony could be, to a demented mind, a threatening figure in the house that Junior needs to defend himself from. Mm. In this case, Pussy Malanga. Yep. And there is a gun in this house. Right, which yeah. is wild, which Tony probably doesn't know. Yeah. And he slides it, that shot of him sliding, how pathetic is that, that, that of him sliding it under the bed and he then hiding like in the closet. Jamie Lee Curtis and Halloween hiding in this closet. It's great, yeah. that shot. Oh, he goes right to being a child. That's what a child does when they mess up. They go hide. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's sad. It's, Circle it's of life. Sad. Circle jerk of life. Wheel of fortune. Yeah. Uh, he gets in the closet and hides. He's terrified. Uh, he's terrified. And... Tony is laying on the floor realizing he's bleeding and they have the fucking audacity in this moment to cut. It's just <laughs> such audacity. They cut away from this and you're just like, ah, ah, <laughs> to Carmela and Angie having the last beat of this episode other than the final moments. But what a meaningful beat. Correct. Because Corvette plus Tony's gut shot, uh, that's... The final spin mm. on the wheel, right? Mm-hmm. That's double zero. Yeah, you lose. Yeah, yeah. Right? Well, and, and Angie's last line is, "They said I'm better off owning it outright." And it cuts to not back, but it cuts to Carmela's reaction. And I wondered, is Carmela thinking, "Oh, she's better off without him there"? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yikes. Yeah, nuts. But also has to come to face like, oh, a self-made woman. Yeah, you know. You know? Yep. You can see those doubts about herself in there too. Uh, it, it's it's a it's a loaded moment, and yes, Jordan so articulately put the, the the wheel of fortune rides again, and it's finally come up on bankrupt. 
I don't know how they shot this last sequence the way they did. What what really blew my mind? This whole sequence in Junior's house is gorgeous. It's they great. Have yeah. Never shot his house like this before. Yeah, it's yeah. There's a shot at the beginning that's really wide where Junior's just dwarfed by his living room when Tony first is cooking and before Junior comes downstairs, they follow him through a couple of hallways and you pass through a door. It's all beautifully done. And so then this last section takes for fucking ever. Yeah, again, they 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 really let you simmer in it, like the pasta could. The, which this, by the way, the sound of that water boiling is underneath all of this. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. It's such a great device. Tony's calling out Uncle June. Call. He tried. No, he goes for the phone. Here's what first blew my fucking mind about this because I've worked on sets where your character is supposed to be sweaty, and right before they start rolling, they spritz you. They they make you up right. What killed me about this was Tony's laying on the floor, and he's dry. And by the time he gets up and falls over with the phone, his fucking head is covered in sweat. I don't know how they did that without a cut, unless they just have him under such hot lighting that he just was dripping by the end of the shot. Or he's manufacturing that. Also possible. Uh, it's and, possible and, James Gandolfini put himself in an emotional state to be able to do that, yeah. which you can do. It's it's just absurd. It's it's absurdly good acting. Yeah. The panic. Not good for you, by the way. No, of but, course not. But very good. No, no, yeah. Uh, and um, Uncle June called nine one one. He's trembling. Junior hears him, but he's sad. He's trepidatious. He's confused. Uh, and Tony just in agonizingly slow fashion just uses every last bit of strength he has to crawl and fight and claw his way into the kitchen to get 911 and then he's he can't even give the nature of the emergency he just passes out to the sound of the boiling water and now well, the question of luck is how long before this 911 operator says I just got to trace this call right right yeah. well and he rips that first phone out of the wall and you're like oh my god he's fucked yeah. Oh, right, the second phone. Oh, my God, it's high up on the wall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, you have to articulate your fingers because the nines and the ones are a little far apart. Yeah. Like, oh, God, is he going to make it? And no, he fucking passes out before he can say a word. Yeah. Awful. Yeah. Awful. It's so funny because 911 is such a simple number, but in that circumstance, it was like, is he going to get the 911 out? Yeah. It's yeah. so good. They did a nice job panning, like, up yep. the wall. It's like a yeah. line yeah. for him. The blood streaking on the phone, yeah. just all so good. That last shot. Not all that dissimilar to the blood streaking on the map, by the way. Mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. to that. Yeah, New Jersey is just death for these characters. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's it. and then we we are out and we hit we get the last refrain of the William Burroughs poem and credits. Thought final thoughts on members only and any last uh, bits to get out before we uh, call it a day. My closing thoughts are similar to my opening thoughts. It's a really exciting, really dynamic, tight episode of television. We have a fully self-contained story, which is Eugene Pontecorvo's, and yet it seems to portend so much Mm. of what is to come because it would not be enough for that story to be an isolated thing unto itself, which is why I really struggle with what we're shown of his life and what thematically that might inform uh, for the rest of this season. I struggle with some of the images there. In a good way, the struggle, by the way. And, um, yeah, what a crazy position to put your protagonist in in the beginning of a season, where it's, like, even if he survives, which the viewer does not know, even if he survives, what is the period of this convalescence going to be like? You know, that's the main character. Unless you do another outrageous time jump, which is unlikely... 
what is the uh, the outcome of this? Yeah, it's a major game changer for the status quo in, in the world of the show. Right, and in ostensibly your last season. Yeah. Right, so it's like, okay, all right, guys, last season, let's have Tony's up at bat. Oh, Tony's out. Mm. The main player's out. Uh, what else we got? Yeah. You know, yeah. crazy. A huge risk. We've got Vito. <laughs> we got Vito. <laughs> yeah, well... I, I I agree, and, and hell of an opener, hell of a start, eerie, uh, unsettling. I don't, again, I'm trying to avoid what I know and just go off of what I was feeling when I first watched it, but I was like, this is not uh, going to a good place. <laughs> None of this is going somewhere good. No, I mean, that's the theme of the episode for me, is for everything that's going so well, everything well, you know, the Wheel of Fortune, we've talked about the whole episode, you never feel good. It's not a feel-good episode, despite there being very little conflict for Tony. Agent Harris also does not feel good. Yeah. Correct. His contract is some kind of... Parasite. No, but it's but, just, you don't feel good the whole episode. Something is off Yes, and it's this also, season, yeah. you know. And, it, it, and what I also like about it is it's very clear, as Jordan said, and Paul said, and you said, Lily, in and, and various different ways... We're grappling with really big questions thematically this year, uh, and I'm very excited to tackle those with all of you guys. Six is my favorite for those reasons, for for that reason actually. As a whole, I count one and two as part of that. There's just so many big ideas in this last season that are just fascinating to tell through these characters. I'm excited to break it down. We got Join the Club up next. Thank you guys so much for uh, your time and your smarts on this. I'm Chris D'Amato. I'm Lily D'Amato. I'm Paul Mancini. And I'm Jordan Hugh. And we will be back for Join the Club, a fascinating trip to Costa Mesa. I had a banana banana. I got myself a girl.